And you're back here with Encounter with God right on Faith FM. I should Indeed. have I kind of said that the wrong way around, didn't I? No. Yeah, it worked. We got away with it. It worked fine. Yep. <clears throat> What's our next clue? Our next clue for our Who Am I Breakfast Bible Quiz is this. The Lord said he would make Moses to be like God to Pharaoh and me to be like Moses' prophet. Mm, Who might that be? Who is that indeed? 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number to call. Uh, you can win the prize. Today's prize is Outline Studies of the Tabernacle by Ada R. Habishon. Also, for those of you who are just wondering what the what the details to donate for the Kenya Health Mission uh, was, again, so the number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's the same number. And if you'd like to go to the website, you can actually learn more about the about the Kenya Health Mission trip as well as donate there. It's kenyahealth.org. Very simple. And, of course, we'll be putting up those details on our social medias Indeed. so that you can uh, just jump across there, have a quick squiz, and away you go. Put the link there and all of those kinds of uh, informations for you about Africa. And, of course, we're going to be talking more about Kenya, but we're also going to be talking more about Ethiopia. Yes, Ethiopia. Very exciting. Very exciting. I'm so... Okay, so... Oh, i got some exciting news. Oh, go on. You heard it here first. Oh, we did? On Faith FM. What is it? Breaking news. What? Not on any other radio station oh yet. Oh, my goodness, Lyle. Former boss, Nick Kutte. <gasps> yes. Um, popular radio host, popular <laughs> radio host here on uh, Faith FM for yes, many years. Yes, Nick Kutte. Uh, radio host even still. Uh-huh. His wife is in labour. Oh, it's happening. amazing. So, uh, yes, everybody please pray for uh, Nick and his family at this time that all yes. goes well. What is it? Is it their third kid? Or third the or the fourth. fourth kid, like yeah, and they mm. had a little boy, I think it is. So, yeah, it's very exciting. She's in labour as we speak. I'm very glad I'm here. I'm not there to tell you what. <laughs> you never know. By the end of the show, we might be able to make an even bigger announcement. announcement. Yes, indeed. That would be very it's cool. It's a good, a good day for radio announcements today, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> don't forget, you heard it here first. This is where the news happens. It'd be so funny if they wanted to announce it themselves, Lyle, and you just totally like... <laughs> yep, it's too late. All <laughs> over. It is done. <laughs> you too can't bad. tell radio people anything. We no, just announce this it. The, this is the media. <laughs> What's that announcement? Oh, let me put that on air. <laughs> <laughs> this is our this this is our uh, our core business is announcing people's business. <laughs> I like that. That came out good. Oh, you can't tell us any secrets. Don't tell Lyle and I secrets ever. You might just hear it on the radio. <laughs> yeah, we will tell the world. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Encounter with God. Oh, Encounter with God. Let's do that. Let's uh, let's have our Encounter with God. Let's be part of the 20 million movement, 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible today. And we're specifically going to be looking at two passages and contrasting them. Let's start in Luke chapter 22. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Dr. Luke, chapter 22 and verse 24. If you could read that one for us, please, Mon. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Okay. When did this happen? This was the Last Supper. This was the Last Supper. So here you've, here you've got, let's put this whole picture together so far. You've got the disciples. Yep. They have been living, traveling, teaching, learning from Jesus throughout Jesus' entire ministry. Arguably one of the greatest experiences you could have. The greatest experience you could have with the greatest teacher of all time whose entire philosophy is all about the last shall be first. If you want to be great, 
you know, be the least, all this kind of stuff. It's like they missed the entire point, isn't it? (laughs) And after being with Jesus for his entire ministry, you've now come down to the end of Jesus' ministry. He's about to leave. If you were Jesus right now, what would you be thinking? I'd be be so disappointed that all my teaching and influence... (laughs) Got to this. Accomplished nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this was a waste of time. Let's, uh-huh. just, let's just go back to heaven and leave this world yep. to its fate. There yep. is nothing can be done right here. But Jesus doesn't do that. In contrast to doing that, Jesus' solution to this problem is not to go back to heaven and leave earth to its fate, but to die for Indeed. this planet. Indeed. So Jesus turns around and dies mm-hmm. for this planet. Um, so that's his response to what is actually taking place here at the Last Supper. Of course, there were a number of different responses that he made. And the first one of those responses is you, what you'll find if you go to the Gospel of John. And this was a response that he did without saying anything. And actions can speak so much louder than words, can't they? Yes, indeed. So let's go to John chapter 13. And Mon, I wonder whether you could begin reading for us verse 2. It was a time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Keep going. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Let's consider what it is that is actually taking place in this particular passage. In the Middle East, the foot is considered to be the most uh, disgraceful part of the human body. Mm. You will remember some time ago, in fact, you may not remember, but I remember some time ago when there was a journalist who took off his shoe and threw it at George Bush. I remember that, yeah. George Bush Jr., Yep. And uh, George W. Bush. Didn't like to be called Junior. Junior. Yeah. <laughs> George W. Bush. And, you know, to, to Westerners, that was like, well, that was a stupid thing to do. Yeah, it was Why did silly. you do that? It if was you a bit silly. Throw a rock, not a, not a shoe. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> if you want to actually cause some damage. But that was incredibly significant to the entire Middle East mm-hmm. because that was so much worse than, you know, within Trying our culture, something. Mm-hmm. giving the finger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you sh- within that culture, you show the bottom of your foot. Within our culture, uh, you give the finger. Which is so weird, like how we attach these notions to body parts. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Any of us doing it. <laughs> and you'll find this culture throughout the Bible. You know, the Bible will speak about, you know, you're placing your foot upon your enemy or upon your enemy's neck. Mm-hmm. And you will often see this depicted in Middle Eastern art where a king has conquered another nation and what he does is he symbolically places his foot on his enemy, and I was under so the, the enemy king has been captured, gets dragged into uh, a very public place, um, gets you know pushed down on the ground, and the conquering king face. then comes up and places his foot upon him. This is total degradation of that person. The foot was seen to be the most disgusting part of the human body. Yeah. End of story. I understood it was because you know they all wore sandals and their feet were just filthy and disgusting and, and gross. And whenever they entered a house, they had to wash them. Well, that was part of the reason. You know, mm-hmm. this was an agrarian culture, but it's not a culture that uh, existed in other places where they had an agrarian culture. It's just like, uh, you know, the Victor- Victorian culture that we once had, you know, in Western society, you know, made genitalia the, the, the most disgusting thing. And that's why, you know, people give the finger Such today to, uh, to insult people. Mm-hmm. Um, in that society, it was the foot. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know that 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 culture tends to carry on for you know. Many I thought people give the finger because of the arches, and they're like with their two fingers. You know, I've still got my arches fingers. Yeah, well, there's a lot of different uh, theories as to where it actually um, originates from, but what has been turned into into today's society is definitely you know a, a reference to you know it's a sexual insult. Put it that way. We won't go into details. Okay, okay. we don't need to. Let's keep moving. Yeah. Okay. So the foot. The foot was like the most disgusting thing. Mm-hmm. And you get a really clear perception of how this worked if you go to a first century city like, for instance, Pompeii, mm-hmm. which has been very, very well preserved. And what you'll find there is the streets are probably about – they're sunken – they're all sunken streets. They are about um, 8 to 12 inches Lower than the sidewalk? Yeah. You've been to Pompeii? Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah. So you've got your streets are 8 to 12 inches lower than the sidewalk, and at every intersection there are stepping stones across the street. Mm-hmm. And these stones are carved at the level so that the axles of the, uh, the, the wagons and the chariots can ride over the top of them and clear them. Uh, but you can also step upon them. And the reason for this was because the street was the sewer. Yeah. So you can imagine you've got a, uh, you know, you go into a city, you would be able to smell a city from several miles away when you're approaching a city. Oh, so disgusting. Uh, and the reason, you know, being because the, the street is the sewer, you've got, you know, a tremendous amount of animals and humans that are all using that space to get rid of waste. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you're all walking around, everybody's walking around in that waste. Um they must have had just unimaginable immune systems back then and probably carried a whole bunch of bugs. Well, I think they also died well. a lot younger. <laughs> and uh, died a bit younger as well. But uh, this was also the place where you, that your feet inhabited. Ugh. They inhabited all of that muck and dirt. And you can, it's very easy to understand why it became an insult. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And you can also understand how that when a person went into a home, they would feel very, very unclean until they had washed their feet. Yes. You know, it's like you go into many homes today that, uh, you know, when, when I was a kid growing up, we used to talk about it being an Asian thing, but now it's just a general thing. Really, you take your shoes off at the door. Yeah, it annoys me. <laughs> I'm taking my shoes off. <laughs> yeah, well, I have, re- I, have, I have the worst circulation in my feet, eh? And so my mm-hmm. feet... I go into some homes and my feet are just like two blocks of ice the entire time I'm there. I actually have a bit of beef about that, but I'm not going to talk about it because you're just going to push the rant button, so let's not do it. And every Asian out there is going to be offended in half of Australia as well. Well, look. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing as you went there. No, we're not going to go there. We're just going to illustrate the point that, you know... um, well, you know how it is when, when your hands have been in, in, yes, in something yep. that mm-hmm. is just gross and yuck and you can't relax until You've you have washed, washed your hands. hands yes, right? yeah. That was what it was like, you know, in that society at that particular time. You just can't concentrate. You can't think. Your mm-hmm. brain won't work. You feel gross and dirty because your feet stink. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, walked into the building and um, the first thing that you do when you walk into the building is have your feet washed. So you don't wash your own feet. You have your feet washed. And the reason being is because, like, why would you touch your feet? Feet are disgusting. You have somebody else to do that for you. And the way it worked was that the lowest person within the household would do that work. So if there was a slave, then it would be the job of the slave to do that particular work. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you had a number of slaves, it would be the lowest of the low slaves. 
if you had no slaves, it would be the servant and it would be your lowest paid servant who would do that. If you had no servants, it would then be you know, your responsibility and then, of course, the children's responsibility because they are a lower form of vegetable matter in the home. You know, there's this whole... Basically, whoever's on the, <coughs> the last rung that's right. gets to clean the feet. That's right. Yeah. Um, so the, 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 the bottom of the pack, mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. is the one who gets to run around washing everybody's feet. So the disciples are having this discussion. Uh. They are discussing who will be greatest in the kingdom. In this particular home, they are using this home, but there is nobody there who is obviously the foot washer in the home. Mm-hmm. And so they're all sitting around discussing who's going to be the greatest. How comfortable do you think they're feeling? Pretty uncomfortable because they haven't. They are in the presence of food. Yeah. With unwashed feet. Yeah. You know, imagine sitting up to the dinner table and you've got muck all over your hands. Oh. How, 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 uh, how well are you going to be able to concentrate on the conversation? Not very well. You're trying to eat with your elbows or something. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, when you um, see somebody come out of the out of the out of the toilet and not wash their hands, and it's like, oh, I don't want to touch that person. Yeah, don't, you said they don't, don't want to touch don't, anything. Don't, don't take my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to touch anything in this house. You know, mm-hmm. it really, it really freaks you out. It doesn't does, it? yeah. That's that's our society and that's our culture. Praise God. And uh, uh, but this this is the this is the, they're all super uncomfortable and they're all talking about who's greatest. Uh, the implication being, maybe, we need to figure out who is the least so we can figure out who actually does the foot washing here because we can figure out who's the greatest, then we can figure out who's the least and we can do some foot washing. Mm-hmm. Is something disturbing you, Mon? Something's bitten me while I'm on air. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm freaking out because something underneath the desk has bitten my leg. Look at this big old welt I've got now. So I just, I just noticed my leg started to itch and I looked down and something's bitten me. There's a funnel web Sorry. spider inhabiting <laughs> the, the underside been, of our desk. Lyle's been doing really well to keep talking. I've just, just been covering here while Mon's been crawling around underneath the desk <laughs> trying to kill something. Something like, has munched it, me. Kill it. Kill it. And couldn't you, whatever that bug is, couldn't you have waited for the song break to munch me? And now, and now she's stretched her microphone as far away from the desk as it will go. <laughs> We're just going to sit over <laughs> here by the wall. Facing the other direction. Okay, so you got a little bit of a, you, you, you seem to have a bit of an understanding of how the disciples may have been feeling yes, in this story. Yes, uncomfortable. Something's wrong with my leg area. (laughs) (laughs) All is not well. And then Jesus. Now, let's not forget who Jesus is. Mm. This is the sovereign ruler and creator of the universe. This is the person who breathes planets and suns into existence. And this is the person they've been expecting. The disciples have been expecting Jesus to step up as king and just take over. This is Jesus who just came in in a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, as you would expect from a ruler. A, yeah. You know, yeah. Somebody who's about to set up the next Jewish empire. This is, this is Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus gets up and wraps a towel around himself and begins to wash their feet. How are they feeling right now? I reckon you could have heard a pin drop. I reckon you could have heard a pin drop. I mean, how would you be feeling if Jesus was sitting here in the studio right now? And he's like, oh, there's a spider under there. Let me go find that thing. I'd be very humbled. You would, wouldn't you? I'd be very humbled. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, if we, were, if we were interviewing somebody here of great importance um, in the studio, that was live in the studio, say, a, um, you know, maybe Scott Morrison or maybe a, a celebrity or... A, um, I'd be a little bit embarrassed as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'd be quite embarrassed. Uh-huh. 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 I'd be like, no, 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 it's fine. Don't bother yourself with the spider that's biting my leg. Just, you know, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, think, well, that's yeah. what we would do. Yeah. That's what Peter does right here, isn't it? This is I'll exactly what Peter does. With that. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's keep reading here. Um, verse 6. Verse 6 of chapter 12 says, Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. 13, chapter 13. Oh, sorry, chapter 13. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, "Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet." Okay, so this is this <laughs> Such is Peter. A Peter. <laughs> so everybody else has sat there silent. Mm. Peter addresses the elephant in the room. Yes. he can't not. Uh-huh. You know, he has uh, he's his, his his mouth keeps going. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't stop, and everybody just sat there like super uncomfortable while Jesus did that. Which oh, you can imagine how uncomfortable that was. You know, everyone's talking about how, who's going to be greatest. Then Jesus washes their feet. And as that's happening, it's just like, what is going on? And nobody's saying, imagine the silence in the room. You know how silence can be super uncomfortable? Oh, yeah. <coughs> like if I, go, sure. if I go silent on radio right now? <laughs> yeah, it's like please don't. way uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, please don't. And that silence when Jesus is doing this would be just way more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And Peter is not going to, he can't. He's the kind of person who can't not. Yeah, he can't. He can't. Oh. He's going to say something. He's going to say something. Yeah, and so he's like, you can't, you can't wash my feet, you know. And and the, and the implication here then with this is like, well, then actually, Peter, um, if Jesus is not going to wash your feet, then who is? Mm. Are you going to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, or are you expecting one of the other disciples to do this? There's some interesting implications there. I don't think Peter's thought through the implications. That's my opinion, and my opinion is based on my study of who Peter is. Um, he's the kind of person who uh, uh, speaks first and thinks later. Uh, implications is not something that he delves into too often. But anyway, that's what happens. And Jesus says, hey, if I don't wash you, you can't be a part of me. He's like, okay, wash the whole lot. Dump that bucket over my head, ice, back, ice bucket challenge. Here we come. <laughs> the first ever ice bucket challenge. <laughs> and Jesus is like, no, no, I just need to wash your feet. That's all, nothing else. Um, and then Jesus goes on, and uh, why don't you read for us verse uh, 13 and 14, please. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to watch, wash each other's feet. Okay, what does the Bible say that we should do? It gives an example of something that we need to follow. Yeah, yeah, Jesus says here, you should do this. Okay, keep going. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Okay, so there Jesus has said the same thing now three times. Yeah. He says, first of all, I want you to wash each other's feet. Secondly, I've given you an example. In other words, do this. And then he just says, simply says, um, you should do as I've done to you. It's pretty clear. Why? Verse 16. Why is Jesus telling us to do this? I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Okay, there's the fourth time. Watch this. In three verses, Jesus has told us four times to wash each other's feet. Mm. Which is kind of weird, particularly in our culture. It's true. What I find is most fascinating is Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And so Christianity for the most part has hung on to the communion service. You know, because Jesus says, you know, do mm-hmm. this. And, and, and that's great because it involves food and wine. 
But it's not all. That's not the only thing that Jesus said to do on that particular day. He has a foot washing. Four foot. times he says this. Before you do that, do this first. Wash each other's feet. And it's going to feel a bit weird and it's going to feel a bit strange. And uh, that's actually the whole idea. Mm. That's that's what it's all about. And uh, there's a lot of churches, very few churches today still have a foot washing uh, service as a part of their communion. There used to be a lot more churches that did, but uh, definitely a good thing.
You're listening to All Sons and Daughters. We are waiting here on Faith FM. And Mon, we are waiting for another clue for our quiz. You can have it. No need to wait any longer. Who am I? I am the brother of Moses and Miriam. <laughs> That's real easy. Come on, guys. 1-800-324-843 is the number. Give us a call right now and there is a prize coming your way. Indeed. So, um, yes, we were talking about we were talking about the disciples and the foot washing service and the foot washing service mm-hmm. and how incredibly uncomfortable and humbling that must have been for them. Slightly embarrassing, and how that they are all talking about who will be greatest in the kingdom. But a life transforming experience this foot washing was, and of course, particularly when you link it with the death of Jesus. Mm. So Jesus solves the problem of having failed in his ministry and that his disciples are all discussing about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. He's like, well, that didn't work. So he solves the problem by dying. It's a rather unusual yeah. solution, but one that definitely works because it results in their conversion. Okay, let's move on in our study of the Bible and let's now go over, let's, let's go a few more, few days past here. Let's go, let's go another, uh, say, 50 days from this particular point. Which is not a lot of time, really, is it? No. 50 days from this particular moment is going to bring us to Acts. And we're going to read chapter 1 and verse 14. Acts chapter 1. Actually, this is less than 50 days. like more like 40 days. So 40 days. I mean, that's just like what? Just over a month. Five weeks. Yeah. Five weeks later. Mm-hmm. They're still in the upper room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are they doing now? We should we should clarify they haven't been in the upper room the whole time. No, they're back. Okay, they're, they're back, back in, in the, the upper room. room. When you say in they're the still in the upper room, it's like what did they? Was this like Kenya? They couldn't afford to leave. <laughs> no, they are back in the upper room. Okay, verse fourteen. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Okay, so this is interesting here because when the Bible says that they were with one accord, and you find this in a number of different uh, places here in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, the Greek behind it means they persevered with one mind. In other words, they were united together. And as they persevered together with one mind, you have a significant contrast with what was taking place 40 days later, 40 days earlier, don't you? Yeah. 40 days earlier, can you be united if you are discussing about who's going to be the greatest? <laughs> Not really. No, that's impossible, isn't it? I mean, unless you're agreeing it's the one person, you're all discussing how they should be in power. <laughs> yeah, uh, indeed. And so you, you, uh, you, they went from being the most hopelessly divided bunch of disciples to the most united group that you'll find anywhere in the Bible and experienced a unity that the Christian church has probably not experienced from that day until this. That's a massive contrast in a short space of time. Mm. I mean, you think of some of the things that they could have been talking about in the upper room. you know, And typically they probably would have been talking about if they were still discussing who was going to be the greatest. It's like, well, who's going to be the greatest amongst us right now? Well, it's clearly not going to be Peter because Peter was the one who denied Jesus to his face. Mm-hmm. You know, so Peter, let's shove him over in the corner and eliminate him right now. We, there's no way that Peter's going to be greatest in the Strike kingdom of God. Strike him at least. Uh, what about Thomas? No, he's too doubtful, man. Can't be Thomas. Even after Jesus comes back from dead, he's like, nope, nope, no, refuse to believe it. Yeah, not believing it unless I put my fingers in his wounds and touch the scar in his side. Not happening. You know, he doesn't. He wants to even. He wants to more than just see Jesus. He's like, you guys have all just seen the apparition. 
I want to see the scars. <laughs> I want to touch and feel the scars. You know what? He sounds a little bit German. <laughs> Very <laughs> logical. <laughs> uh, actually, he's a bit of a hero of mine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he wouldn't take things at face value. Mm-hmm. He was the one disciple who was like, you know what? I want some solid evidence for this. That's right. And yes, he did get rebuked for his lack of faith, but at the same time, I think he should be commended for being prepared to investigate. Yeah, for being quite thorough. Being very thorough. Because you need to know what you believe. Yeah. You can't just blindly believe. And he wanted to make 100% sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's like, yep, no, you guys have been following an apparition, which he probably he probably took his stubbornness a bit too far. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so they could, they could be like, yep, no, not Thomas. And then wasn't he, didn't he end up being the most well, far-travelled missionary in the end? Yes, he travelled further than any other missionary. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, his, his missionary endeavours uh, took the gospel as far as China. Wow. It's a long way. It's a long way from home. And uh, this is for a man who suffered you know, quite severely from depression. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's a great message there for all of us today, particularly you know, for people who do suffer from depression. God can do amazing things through you. Absolutely. Don't ever let it hold you back from God using you. Okay, so we've wiped out Peter and Thomas so far. Uh, now, James and John, they were called the Sons of Thunder. We can't have two people being the leaders, so you know we're going to do separate the brothers, so that automatically excludes them, I think. And they were the ones who, you know, there's a bit of lobbying went on there. Yeah, a we bit want, of, want, want, mm-hmm. want him, you know, this one on that side and that one on the other side mm-hmm. in your kingdom. You know, we want you sitting on either side. A bit of weaseling. A bit of weaseling went on. Can't happened. have that happening. Uh huh. So we can eliminate those. Um, Matthew, of course, was a tax collector. And that's never going to fly. All right. All of these things could have been brought up by the disciples, yeah, couldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. In the upper room, as they are discussing together, these are the things that they could have been bringing up and discussing backwards and forwards. And it's like, well, you, know, you did this and you did that. A lot of finger pointing could mm-hmm. have taken place. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, you know, uh, there was the, dis- the one disciple that ran away when in, in the Garden of Gethsemane and ran so fast he left his clothes behind in an effort to get away. Um, we could we could we could go on and on with 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 different stories about how different disciples reacted and responded and how they all failed. They all had faults. They all had flaws. Yeah. But when they come to the upper room, there's no mention of that, is there? Mm-mm. The Bible says they have persevered with one mind. They have found and achieved unity. Why don't you read for us uh, chapter two and verse one, and then skip down to verse forty-six. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting in one place. 46. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Your translation cuts stuff short sometimes. On the day when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all of one mind in one place or one accord in one place. And that's the key here. It's quite a contrast. Oh, yeah. It's a massive contrast. Two different upper room experiences. And there's this great quote that I'd like to read to you. Uh, comes from the book Acts the Apostles. It says, these days of preparation were da- it's just a It's just a description. This particular author's description. Um, Ellen White, she says, these days of preparation were days of deep heart searching. The disciples felt their spiritual need and cried to the Lord for the holy unction that was to fit them for the work of soul saving. They did not ask for a blessing for themselves merely. They were weighed with the burden of salvation for souls. They realized that the gospel was to be carried to the world and they claimed the power that Christ had promised. You imagine if Jesus came to you and said, I want you to take the gospel to every single person on this planet. 
when radio does not exist, mm. internet does not exist, information technology does not exist, the printing press does not even exist. Yeah. And they are given this commission right here. This is something that, you know, would have been just absolutely mind-bogglingly huge in its task, but they didn't flinch, they didn't budge, they didn't move, they just united together behind the cause. You know, the, it was really, in many ways, the bigness of the cause um, was what brought about a, a, an end to their fighting and bickering and, and, and discussing with each other. It was just like, no, we're just going to... Um, get to work. Just, let's, let's get to work and, and let's prepare for it. And they spent this time together putting aside all of their differences. You can imagine there were a lot of confessions that were being made. And, you know, that's something that we need to do on occasions, isn't it? Mm. We need to get together. We need to confess what we've done wrong to each other. We need to strive for unity. We need to press together, press together, and press together. This is Josh Cunningham. There's a light in the valley There's a light on a distant shore A light on a mountain It's the light that'll guide you home It shines in the darkness It speaks through the world Light of forgiveness, light of the world. Lost in a valley I was lost on a raging sea Lost on the mountain Until the light shone on me And led me out of the darkness And back to the shore Top of the mountain to be lost on. It's the light of redemption, it's the light of a grand plan, it's the light of forgiveness. Yeah, the light is the son of man It's shining in the darkness It's shining in the night The light is the way The truth and the light
sing my song We'll follow together Until this journey's done food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is. And it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Direction, yeah. 
leading It's you who knows the truth and the meaning of life So we're protected and leading Don't be heeding these lies proceeding through every direction you're leading It's you who knows the truth and the meaning of life So we're protected and leading on you Fall down in the lies, in the blinding lies Welcome back, guys. That was Matthew Mole with you and your crown here on Faith FM. And we have come to question of the day. What is our question of the day today? It's a really good question, Lyle. And you might have a little bit of a challenge answering this one, I dare say. Okay, so... Sounds like fun. Our listener sent this in yesterday. Um, In Genesis, right, Mm -hmm. did God create the entire universe or just our earth? Okay, so let's read what the Bible says, and we're actually going to read this from Exodus rather than from Genesis. Uh, so let's go to Exodus. This is probably the clearest statement that you will find in relationship to this. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11, where the Bible says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it or made it holy. So the Bible very, very clearly says that in six days, God did a number of things. He made the earth, he made the heavens, and he made everything that lives within it. So does that then leave any space for the stars, the universe, to have existed prior to this particular occasion? And the answer to that is yes, and you might wonder how. You know, the Bible speaks about the heavens being created here in six days, and so we would assume then that God lived in the ether or whatever it was uh, (laughs) before that. He lived in nothingness uh, for eternity previous to that. He lived in the matrix. That's that's completely um, illogical. It makes no sense whatsoever at all. It's completely against the character of God who is creative by nature. Okay, so if we go back to the Genesis account and we read what it says here in the Genesis account of creation, so we'll put that in context right there. Um, And while we're turning there, let me mention this. The Bible speaks about three heavens. The Bible speaks about the birds of the heavens. Now, when the Bible speaks about, you know, the birds of the heavens, it's speaking about the atmosphere. The Bible speaks about the starry heavens. When the Bible speaks about the starry heavens, it's speaking about the universe. And the Bible speaks about paradise where God lives and where holy beings live. When the Bible speaks about paradise where God lives and holy beings live, that is heaven where God lives, that is paradise. So three heavens and Paul talks in vision about how he was caught up and saw the third heaven. In other words, he actually saw paradise where God lives. Mm. Okay, so when the Bible says that God created in six days, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, then that can refer to the earth and its atmosphere. 
in, of course, Genesis chapter 1, you'll find that within the six-day period, uh, God created the sun and the moon as well. So we're assuming that uh, our solar system at the very least, maybe our galaxy, I don't know, but our solar system at the very least was created within the six-day period. However, to assume that the rest of the universe did not exist and God existed in a great nothingness previous to that, in my opinion, and I'm I understand that there are others out there who, uh, and I respectfully acknowledge that there are others who have uh, other opinions to that. Uh, in in my opinion, is um, yeah, is, is is taking it too far. But when you actually read the Genesis account, the Bible says, you know that you know God created all of these things. Um, and uh, you know, created man in his own image. He blessed them and told them to be fruitful. Um, and that you know, when he created these things, that he created the stars also. I find it very significant when it says he created the stars also, because when it says he created the stars also, that's sort of like adding on something else. So he's created in six days. God did this, this, and this. And just in case you're wondering where the stars came from. They were God's created as creation as well. And so the indication there is that the universe existed previous to this particular point. Let me show you something from Isaiah. There's a bunch of verses here we could look at. Oh, let's go to uh, Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah 12 coming up. This is speaking about Lucifer. It goes back and it talks about the time period before our universe existed. Sorry, not Isaiah 12, Isaiah 14, verse 12. How how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground? Who, past tense, weakened the nations? This is before sin enters our world. This is before the creation of our world. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. This is, once again, this is before the creation of our world. And what you find here is that heaven exists, nations exist, angels exist, God exists. All of this exists long before our world was created. And so we know that there was more to the universe that existed before our world was created. Did God create just uh, the sun, moon, and our earth? Did he just create the solar system? Did he just create the Milky Way? Did he create everything that we can see on that during that six-day period? How much of it did he create? I don't know. But I do know that there was a lot of universe existence existing prior to that uh, six-day period in which he created our earth. Wow. Thank you so much, Pastor Loyal. If you have a question, give us a call here. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. We love answering questions. We, of course, will use that for question of the day. Give us a call. Fire away. It's another brand new day And there's so much to do My head hurts I reach for my phone And I see a pile of dirty clothes My schedule starts to fill With the plans I will do For this day But God stills my voice, He calls Won't you stop a while and spend time with me? Seek first God's kingdom and His right 
Listening to Carly Fletcher with Seek First here on Faith FM as we continue on with the show. In fact, as we come to the end of the show, we have an exciting news to share with you. We haven't heard back from Nick yet. I guess that baby is just busily coming out and he's caught up with that. So it's only been half an hour. Yeah, well, we probably should give them a chance. It's their third kid, third or fourth kid, so. But we did have prayer for Katerina here a couple yes. of weeks ago. Yes, we did. And she had some tests that she was worried about. And um, and so and, and we, we have news that those tests have come through clear. Yeah, amen. All, all, all tests and results have been positive for Katerina. We are so thankful to God to know that she is completely healthy. And uh, we praise God for that. And, um, and if you would like prayer, just so Katerina called in and asked for us to pray for her, we'd be more than happy to pray for you. So give us a call here, 1-800-FAITH-FM. That number, of course, is the same number that you need to call right now to get a free copy of our giveaway, which is a, a wonderful book. It's a compiled book, so there's many authors, a bit like the Bible. It's called Finding a Better Way. On the back it says, when was the last time you experienced a life-changing event? A wedding, the birth of a child, a death, perhaps you inherited a large sum of money or met your favorite hero. The stories in this book are about life-changing encounters, interruptions, if you will, to the everyday norm. When Jesus found himself in the midst of people, his very presence demanded change. Not everyone reacted alike. Some left angry, some left disappointed, some left leaping for joy, but none were ever the same. So this book was all about, uh, you know, interruptions to your life and how to handle them how to deal with them if you'd like a copy of Finding a Better Way by multiple authors give us a call now 1-800-FAITH-FM Absolutely and of course don't forget if you'd like to know more about the Bible then you can give us a call we can arrange Bible studies for you Bible Lessons 1-800-324-843 is our number you could do the uh, Prophetic Code course that uh, is my course or you could do any number of uh, different subjects there is a brand new one coming out on mental health we're going to have Wayne Baum coming in soon to tell us all about that one, but right now, this is Francesca Batticelli. Truth is harder than a lie. 
Yeah. 